going on everybody welcome to the pregame show here on roto grinders i am brick divine your host for today and uh you know i've been working most of these fridays been having fun uh we're going to take a look back tonight at what happened we're going to look at some of the ownership that the field slash pros we're going to take a look at some late swap as well and we'll look a little forward into tonight although on a big slate I don't like spending too much time on these early shows, really digging into what's going to happen tonight, uh, especially there's no value yet, and uh, I'd imagine it's going to be quite a circus around 5 to 7 o'clock tonight. But anyway, welcome aboard. Uh, all you YouTube folks, click that like button. We got to give it away for free, right? But uh, projected ownership as soon as it's up for all of you today, right? Even if you're not a Rono Grinders premium member and you're trying to figure out Who's going to be highly owned? We can take a look back at last night and see how close we were as well. Uh, that's going to be free for everybody in Lineup HQ today uh, or on the uh, projected ownership page. So if you're not a Roto Grinders Premium member, go check that out and use it towards Lineup Lock. And even though there's no particular uh, like amount, I would still appreciate it if you click the like button on YouTube for everybody. Uh, all right, guys, if you guys want to chat, feel free. This is an interactive show. Yismin, you're in here all the time. We really appreciate it. Uh, but but ask me any questions about last night, uh, especially as we kind of go over some uh, particular players. So this is the, the aggregate ownership of, uh, I got the big DraftKings tournament, 100K to first. And then I always like to look at the, the $4 20 entry max and the $1 20 entry max. And uh, one of the things, the, the 20 entry $1 tournament, right? If you're a small stakes player, fit you, you know, 50K to first, it's not the greatest payout structure, but the ownership in that always lags sort of the other contests, which are much sharper. So this is, you know, if you're playing five or 10 bucks a night and you want to MME, I would probably suggest you play the and one, especially if you think of yourself as a reasonably knowledgeable DFS player, uh, most nights, I think this is one of the softer tournaments, uh, at least specifically on DraftKings for you to jump into. And then, of course, as you get into the the four and uh, whatever this is, an eight, a 10, a 15 on the particular night, these ownerships 
uh, get a lot closer to what I would consider being correct for the night than the $1. But anyway, uh, let's take a look at a couple of the highest owned players and see what happened here. So the field, right? And I think uh, I was on the Grinders Live show last night with Grant, and uh, I basically said I would be more likely to smash the lock button on a guy like Rondo, who was so cheap, then smash the lock button on Anthony Davis. And that bared out pretty well last night. You know, Rondo was an elite value. Uh, I thought once we got the De'Aaron Fox news, I don't think enough people, uh, you know, I got to scroll down here on the ownership to find Corey Joseph at 20%. So they're basically around the same price. Uh, I think Rondo, I probably would have had in 100% of my MME lineups if I was playing last night, but I certainly would have had more than 20% Corey Joseph, and that would have allowed you to really min-max. The, the problem with that lineup, right, is that you probably would have had Anthony Davis in that as well because you were just sort of running out of salary to spend. But uh, I do think Rondo was someone, you know, even at 61%, if I go to a couple of the top pros too and look at Rondo, you can see I got the winner over here, Broranosaurus. He finished second. Um, a guy I always look at, Brick75. Uh, everyone but Squirrel Patrol, uh, at least of the guys who finished up towards the top and that I look at every night, um, they basically were overweight on Rondo. So uh, I think that was a pretty good play overall from the field. Uh, Davis was interesting because we expected him to smash. I had him as my sharp side lock bet of the day on points. That didn't work well. Fortunately, the odds got too high on that for, for the people on the show, and we moved to Horford uh, assists, which absolutely crushed. So if you were on board for that on the sharp side streak, uh, you're, you're welcome for that play. But once, you know, uh, Wiggins gets ruled out a little bit. And I, I think it's a little, how do we, there's nothing to late swap to, right? So you're just sort of stuck with Anthony Davis in your lineup. Uh, you know, there were ways that game could have turned into a blowout. I think the ownership on Davis is fine. He obviously had one of his, uh, what I would think would be his worst performances, right? Of what could possibly happen in, in that particular game. Just a, a complete and utter blowout. Golden State stinks. No Wiggins. Green gets ejected. Just a, a horrible game from them. And then they don't really need anything because the Lakers are, are just so much better. So uh, I think Davis was a fine play. He's not someone I would have, you know, maybe you didn't need 60% looking back, but I think his ownership, I, I think it's hard to argue against anything on something of his, uh, you know, his ownership. I think that was a, a pretty reasonable play. Uh, a couple other basically locks right now. The field is the field was super sharp last night because the plays, it was a short slate and they were pretty obvious. So the field plays a lot of Al Horford, um, his ownership, right? I, I went back in time. So you can do this on lineup HQ. We had him projected at 38%. So if, if we had him projected at 38%, you know, he ends up at 60%. So every now and then the ownership will be off on certain guys, right? So I would have probably played if I liked Horford, I think putting in something like 60% to be overweight would have been good. However, once you do that, Right, you're still basically at the field because everyone else has the same idea on Al Horford. So I think he was a great play. Harris as well. When you get these superstar players out for a team like Philadelphia, of Simmons and Embiid, you can basically just jam in the known quantities and, and have yourself good nights. And the field was pretty sharp with that last night. Uh, a couple other things, right? C.J. McCollum and Hassan Whiteside. Those were another couple players that everyone was on. And I think for good reason, McCollum – uh, I had a difficult decision in, in cash. It was Whiteside and Gallinari or McCollum, and I think it was TJ Warren. I went with Whiteside and Gallinari, and uh, that ended up working out well. I don't think you're disappointed at 43, but after a couple of big games, you know, in the 50s, I think, you know, that, that really didn't get it done for you last night. And I think Whiteside, always a nice swerve if you knew McCollum was going to be higher owned. You go to Whiteside, you get a couple extra fantasy points there. Um, the rest of the ownership, Josh Richardson, he was another pretty easy play to mix into a lot of lineups. He ended up on a lot of the winning lineups just because he was so cheap. And I mean, it's only a four game slate. There's only so many ways you can go. Uh, after that, right, it's just a lot of these middling plays. Buddy Hyde, who after De'Aaron Fox, he probably got a boost in ownership. Schroeder was cheap. Kuzma was a, a play I liked on Grinders Live as well. He ended up getting there. Shake ended up really performing well. SGA underperformed. 
And then I already talked about Corey Joseph as well. So uh, one thing I wanted to go back and take a look at, like you don't think these things really matter in the long run, but but they do. I'm going to go to point guard. And this is from last night. I'm going to look at salary, and we're going to look at SGA, and we're going to look at Malcolm Brogdon, who we had pegged at basically a two-to-one ownership differential at a $100 difference. Do I think, you know, look at their ceilings here, right? Basically the same. Their projections are with one or two, right? And it's a two-to-one difference, and you save $100, right? So, like, you don't think things like this matter in the long run. Well, what actually happened is even though we had a two-to-one difference, uh, if you look at SGA, he's 22.74. It basically was a three-to-one difference across the tournaments. Brogdon's down here at 8%. And if you're – you know, trying to get leverage, and you see two very similar projected players, two very similar ceilings, but ownerships are at a two to one. I mean, there's almost no way SGA is going to outperform Brogdon two out of three times. And at the actual ownership, there's almost no way he's going to, there's literally no chance it happens three out of four times. So just making a couple of little swerves like this on short slates, you know, you do it here and there. These are how you sort of get better uh, on the smaller slates because the ownership gets congregated. Uh, you know, we had Oladipo back, so everyone's like, oh, no, we can't play Brogdon and Sabonis. If he's going to have his big game and Miles Turner went off. I mean, how can Brogdon have a good game? Well, they did, and he beat SGA by uh, almost 10 fantasy points. So if you're ever – scrounging around, trying to get a little bit of theory, trying to play the ownership game, whether you're making one lineup or 150. These little plays like this, instead of SGA, right, you just flip these ownerships, right, at one or two spots, and you get yourself reasonable leverage on smaller slates. Um, That's something I noticed uh, looking back on it last night, and I just uh, a little bit of a, a lesson on things you can do to sort of get an edge on the field and things like that. Um, Let's see. So someone wants to know, so Steve, we're going to get to this one later and I don't want to spend a a bajillion hours looking at tonight's slate yet because by the time tonight's slate one comes around, there's going to be value everywhere. I feel like, and there's no value currently right now, Um, but I'll get into that in a little bit. uh, Once we get into the, uh, the, the today's slate towards the end of the show. So you just have to stick around for that. Um, let's take a look at a couple of the winning lineups from last night too. This is always a good exercise. Uh, four game slate, sort of hard to really get big swerves on ownership, but I want to give a hat tip to Grant, uh, who was my co-host on Grinders Live last night. I, you know, he was talking up Alfred Payton and I was off in La La Land not listening to him as he was doing it. And Grant was spot on with Alfred Payton last night. Uh, and along with Julius Randle, these, these were a key, right? You just stack up this Philly game, three, three Sixers, three Knicks, or two Knicks, right? And the good Knicks, too. The guys you knew if the Knicks were going to keep this competitive were likely to have a good game. Uh, and Mr. Mr. Mist here with his 54 entries, was able to take down $100,000 with this. So a hat tip to Grant, a hat tip to Mr. Mist on this one. This, These two players right here, Randall and Peyton, if you go back to actual fantasy points, you can see Randall, 52 fantasy points at 14% ownership, and then Elf, 45 fantasy points at 6% ownership. These were the absolute key differentiators in last night, the low on players that finish up towards the top. If you didn't have one or both of them, you probably weren't going to cash, right? And if we look back on last night's slate, let's go back. Uh, let's take a look at a guy like Elf Payton. And he's, I think, just point guard eligible. And he's also sort of, right? Everyone's playing SGA. I already talked about Brogdon. Well, Payton was a little cheaper than all of them. The problem was his fantasy point projection was just too low. You were never going to get Peyton in lineup HQ or probably any projection source that you used last night uh, for a couple of reasons. One, right, 27 minutes is what he had the game before. We had him at 27 minutes. There was a little bit of uncertainty in that game. Uh, 
what what did actually help him out a little bit is uh, I think Dennis Smith Jr. left last night's game with some uh, concussion symptoms. So I think that allowed Elf to play a little bit, but he was playing good throughout the game. He has the ability to get these double doubles and, and triple doubles every now and then, right? So he has upside. We've seen it 45, 47, 59. And because he has one bad game after the All-Star break, right, and doesn't play a lot of minutes, me, everyone in the entire world is off of him except for Grant last night and, of course, the Mr. Mist who ended up winning. And why? Why Why do we do that? Simply because the projection doesn't really look too good in theory. So, like, if you give him, like, 32 minutes, right, he starts to get a little bit more competitive with these other players. He ends up playing a little bit more as well. He ends up being the key to win last night, and, and nobody's on him simply because our projection, everyone's projection around the industry is a little bit too low. None of us are really playing the ownership game on a guy like Peyton. We're all just kind of funneling in SGA and ignoring Brogdon and Peyton. And, uh, you know, don't be afraid to do things like that. So, again, a, a hat tip to Grant, uh, a hat tip to Mr. Miss, uh, who ended up shipping the 100000 Uh Broranosaurus Flex, right? He's another big MME guy. Let's see here. Let me see if I can bring up a couple of these lineups. Uh, here it is here. So again, you see Randall. Now there was no Elf Peyton in this lineup, but this lineup just looks pretty good, right? So you had Horford, Harris, and Milton, right? I said, uh, I think on the, the Grinders live show last night that I don't think I would have played Harris, Horford, and Richardson all in the same lineup. It's just... It's too much of the absolute chalk from everyone's team to sort of play all of those. But, uh, you know, you could easily play three Sixers, but just not the three ultra high owned ones. So playing a guy like Milton, you could see it worked for Mr. Mist. It worked for, uh, I think these are probably the same lineup from a couple of good real professionals here, right? They swerved to this in this particular lineup of their 150 and other than that, right, they played Randall, which was the differentiator, Shake, and then it's just the best plays. It's McCollum, Harris, Horford, Whiteside, Corey Joseph, Rondo, literally just like all the best plays that I think were very obvious. Mixes it in with Randall, who was a little low owned because his minutes we thought could have been in flux, and then a guy like Milton, and you just end up towards the top. It seems so easy, right? But why can't we just make all these lineups? So great to start. So I wanted to just point out that from a, a couple of the winners here. Uh, I'm going to look back into the YouTube chat here. So uh, let's see here. Uh, so no bones about it. Getting away from AD was pretty simple, actually. It's 65% ownership. There's much more to gain in fading than riding with the chalk. Just got to have the stones to do it. So I, I don't mind the ownership on AD being so high. I mean, there was no LeBron. There were no other real stars. He was the highest priced player. You have Rondo. You have Corey Joseph. You had a couple of other value guys. You just, at some point, you have to spend your salary in NBA for the most part. And I would imagine, uh, let me go back to these guys, you know, 49.6. That's basically the minimum I would allow ever on a, on a, even a reasonably four game field in NBA, right, is 49-6. And you can just see all the top lineups, they just end up using quite a bit of salary. So at some point, if you're jamming in all the value plays, I mean, you have to spend money somewhere. It's NBA. It's not like baseball, where you can leave a thousand or 2000 on the table and still make great lineups. This is basketball and the projections are so good. You got to spend your salary. So I, I agree. I, I'm, I'm okay with the 80 ownership. Sure. He has what, a 10% chance of leaving the game or something like that. But I still think it was worth the risk. Um, he, he's not the guy I think you really should have swerved off in, in ownership. Um, let's see. Sean A., if I make a low-owned group in lineup HQ, how can I assure I don't get the same guy or guys from it everywhere instead of it mixing or matching? So, Sean, right, let's do this in practice. So we'll pretend this is last night. Um, let's make a couple of groups of low-owned players. So here's real quick. I'm just going to go to projected ownership, and I'm going to make. Let's see. We'll go to all positions, right? And let's just start group one, group one, group one. I don't even know who these players are, but I'm just throwing a bunch into a group, right? So now I have this low-owned group of players. What you need to do, right, to make sure you're 
that you don't get too many of them all in the same lineup or a lot of them, right? If you're targeting players that are sub, you know, 12, 10% or something like that, set their max on, on those particular players in the group, right? Like I have Marquise Chris in this group, right? Set it at 20% or 15%, right? So if I set this at 15%, even if he's 11%, you're capping the exposure on your low-owned group plays to make sure, and right, I would probably have, I don't know, 10 to 15 on an NBA slate. So if you cap that at, you know, 15 or 17 or 20%, you're just going to, it's going to cycle through a lot of those different guys. So that's how I do it. And I think that's probably the best way to go about it in lineup HQ. Um, let's see, Ingram for GPPs. Uh, yes, we'll talk about tonight in a little bit. Yes, I think that Pelicans game does look pretty good. Um, someone is asking no bones. Did he get away from 60% Rondo, right? I would have not gotten away from 60% Rondo. When you get those very, very high point per dollar players, those are the players that are much more likely I am to go hundred percent on than I am to maybe click the lock button on a guy like Anthony Davis. Uh, let's see if we get a couple of more. All right. So that gets us caught up on some questions. Uh, let's take a look at what some of the pros did last night. This is sort of the final step of the review, either doing it yourself or watching the show every night. So I always like to see what the winner did, right? He had Elf Payton in his lineup, 50-something lineups, right? All it takes is a couple of lineups with Elf Payton, right? He had 7% Elf Payton. And, you know, what's that? In two or three of his 50 lineups, and that was allowed him to get one of those teams that had a $100,000 winning lineup in it. So you don't need a lot of these guys. You just need some. And you could basically see across the line, right, every what I would consider professional player had no Elf Peyton. So I think you could say everyone just relies too much on salary and everyone relies too much on minutes and everyone relies too much on projections. And you just got no allotment of Elf Peyton last night and you had to have him. And all these guys have 150 lineups. It's Bro, it's Anil Pro, Brick, Squirrel Patrol, Uticao. There is not an Elf Peyton in any of them, right? All these really good full-time players, not a single one with Elf Peyton. Uh, sometimes, right, and I fall victim to this too, we fall victim to the projection slaves, to the minutes, right? Unless you adjust the minutes up, you weren't getting of them. It's okay to think on your own get some different lineups. Um, and if you have a small allotment, Elf Payton's shown multiple, multiple times the ability to post GPP winning nights and no professional player has them. I think that was basically a mistake. And you can see the winner, Mr. Mist, ended up having Elf Payton. Um, basically, everyone across the board was at or above on Anthony Davis. Like I said, I think that was a reasonable take. Looking back, of course, we want to be underweight on Davis because he only had 39, didn't really ship anything for you. But uh, again, I, I have no real strong take on being overweight Anthony Davis. I think probably being at like 20% Anthony Davis was certainly the wrong move last night because you just you had to spend some of your salary somewhere. Uh, let's talk Rondo. And you could see this, except from Squirrel Patrol, right? Basically every pro here, very overweight on Rondo with two of them, you know, even Brick 75, these guys played how I would have played last night. Lock and Rondo, worry about the rest later. The, the very high point per dollar, cheap plays that you can project for big fantasy points. These are the guys that you pretty much always just want to be overweight the field on, almost no matter what their ownership is, in my opinion. Uh, a couple other guys. Let's see other players that got locked into a lot of lineups. So three of the professional players locked in Al Horford, at least almost, you know, completely very overweight, even though Horford was 60%. Um, you know, these guys, Broranosaurus, Squirrel Patrol, Uticao, extremely, extremely overweight on Horford. Why? Well, it doesn't take a genius to figure out what does Al Horford do, right? Let's think back to Al Horford on the Celtics. He do, did everything for the Celtics. He scored, he rebounds, he distributes the ball. He does a lot of things for the for the Celtics. Hasn't been able to do that in Philadelphia this year. Why? Because you've got Ben Simmons and you've got uh, Joel Embiid clogging up the middle of the court, 
and taking all the rebounds and, and taking a lot of shots. Well, guess what happens when you get those guys off the court? Well, you get this sort of stat line from Al Horford where he scores 15 points, seven rebounds, nine assists with a block and a steal. He's just able to do a whole lot more. And you could see here the sharp players um, basically went Al Horford. I think all, all of what I would consider here the pros, they were all overweight on Al Horford. That was, in my opinion, a pretty good play from the, the smart minds. Where it starts to get uh, a little dicey is I always like to see, did any of these guys take huge stands? Um, so Broranosaurus, I think, and Brick75, these guys likely late swapped to be able to get, you know, double the field of Draymond Green. And obviously that didn't work out because he got ejected. But in theory, after uh, Wiggins got ruled out, right, if you have the ability to late swap, right, you can get a, a reasonable edge doing that. I'm going to imagine that's what both of these players did. Unfortunately, it did not work out for them here. Uh, let's see who Brick75 is. I think he's one of the better players out there. What were his stands? He usually takes a couple every single night. And uh, I, one was on Draymond. Other than that, I don't see anything too off the board, right? Playing, you know, he's double the field on Carmelo. Almost all the pros except Squirrel Patrol and Uticao had a little bit more Carmelo. Um, not the biggest Carmelo fan. It sort of made sense. At 10%, right, is he more than 10% likely to, on a four-game slate, to end up on a GPP-winning team? I probably think so, so maybe being a little overweight him made a little bit of sense. Um, so here was one from Anil Pro, right, and I talked about this on the last time I did the show. Danilo Gallinari, now his ownership was only 13% today, so maybe the field listened to me and they were getting a little bit smarter. Uh, and But this is like an, the actual – like Gallinari game, right? You get 35 fantasy points. He doesn't win you anything. He, you know, he's not the reason you lose, but you're never shipping a GPP with Gallinari. Maybe once every 20 games or something like that. But he's just, even on a four-game slate, I would have probably X'd him out of my player pool. So that was a good call I made there. Um, let's see if they were, there were any big underweights from Brick75. So you scroll down and, and take a look at some of the higher own plays, and here's one. So basically no pro except Utikow had Kyle Kuzma, and that shook my, you know, why? Why didn't nobody have Kyle Kuzma, who was likely going to play some good minutes? There was no LeBron, and he had himself a reasonable game, you know, at 3,900, I think he was. Why, why does nobody, why was the field on Kuzma and nobody else had him? So I think, again, I think that was maybe just projections and ownership. And I, I don't think some of these people accounted that Kuzma might play 27 or 28 minutes. I think the field might have been a little higher on Kuzma than you need him to be. But uh, I like Kuzma. He had himself a good game for the price. I think that was a, an interesting fade by basically everybody. I, I don't completely understand that one. Uh, it, all right, guys, let's let's talk about Pulling, pulling the horseshoe out, right? Because Mr. Mist, let's scroll down here. Andrew Wiggins. Dude didn't play. You still play him in 20% of your lineups, and you still ship $100,000. Hey, guys, why can't that be us? We can play players who don't play, and we win $100,000. How do we do this? How? Please let me know. Do you have any idea how to do it? I would like to do this. I just want to win the 100000 but I, I would like to do it as well playing guys that don't play. So this is, this is very, right, like he was out of the loop, and this is, what I, this is what I'm talking about. This is why you have just a small allotment to a couple of guys that can get there like Peyton. He has them on two or three lineups, ships $100,000. Absolutely crazy that he was able to do that while having 20% of his teams basically dead with Andrew Wiggins. Um, couple other guys, a Neil Pro, and he had a couple. He took a big stand. Uh, I think you know on Bobby Portis, he had triple the field on Bobby Portis. I don't know if I would play Bobby Portis in fifty percent of my lineups, but if it works out right, you're really crushing the field. Alec Burks, uh, again, probably not another one I need to go. 10x the field on right this is not my play style he's a very good player I won't knock him but I think I was much more in line with a guy like Brick 75 last night uh, you guys have any questions on ownerships from the field I'll probably hold us for about a minute 
if you have any questions. If not, we're going to go forward in time. We're going to get back to today. So let me know before I X out of these screens and we'll move on to tonight. And if you guys have you know any comments uh, about tonight's slate, we'll go get to that right now. Let's see here. So we've got tonight's slate. Let's talk about tonight. Projected ownership has come in. And one of the things, you know, one of the reasons why I don't want to spend a bajillion hours on lineup HQ right now is because it's a 10 game slate, right? And by the time it's lineup lock, we, we have no like must have values. The best value play of the day right now is John Henson currently projected to play 22 minutes. You know, we've got Serge who had a bad game. Now he's up against Charlotte. Maybe he's able to bounce back, right? But there's just not, there's not that three to 4k play that we're going to get eight, eight point per dollar of like on Rondo last night. And I can basically guarantee that by the time lineup lock comes at seven o'clock tonight, we'll have one, if not multiple of those players. So don't pay too much attention to the projected ownership now. In the long run, it means very little. Um, But, right, I see a guy like in chat, Booker against Detroit. You know, if Booker is going to be the highest owned player on the slate, I would probably have less Devin Booker. So on on nights where there's no, like, absolutely must-have values, and certain guys become ultra chalky, right? We're, you know, we're not talking about Devin Booker in general, but let's say it's like a six game slate. There's no value. It's 630. We're trying to figure out what to do. And all of a sudden, you know, a certain guy becomes the talk of the town for some reason, right? That's the guy you would want to be underweight on when there's no value because you'd be just better off allotting his ownership to other players that have similar upside in that range and things like that. And that's where I would stand on a guy like Devin Booker tonight and Serge. Uh, Aiton, I have no problem playing Aiton. Aiton is just going uh, balls to the wall right now, 50-plus fantasy points, almost a lock every night against Detroit, right? Like this dude's going to crush him in 36 minutes. There's no uh, Ubre there stealing some shots and rebounds. That's going to be more stuff for Eaton. I understand that's why Booker has a little bit of ownership too, uh, but I would much rather play a guy like Eaton um, at lower ownership and just uh, absolutely dominate the the, the scores tonight. Uh, Christian Wood, he's interesting, right? Because he has the ability to post these big games. However, his team is absolutely garbage right now. He's going up against Phoenix on the road. He'll probably start. Will he come off the bench? Hey, who knows, right? I don't think it really matters for his fantasy performance. He's generally going to hit, you know, those low 30 minutes. Um, I think he's a fine play at that 7,200. He's good. You know, we just have a lot of overall good good players in the high projected ownership right now because we're just lacking on the value. So um, I can guarantee you by the time lineup lock hits, Devin Booker is not going to be 41%. He'll be half of that. And Abaka will be lower. And Eaton will be lower. All these guys are going to move around as some of the value plays come in. So I guess I guess I'm not too concerned about it in general. Um, people talking about Lavert. Let's go to Lavert. I like Lavert tonight. I'd take him over Dinwiddie straight up. I know you got to pay a little bit more tonight. Uh, Lavert will not be 0.25 percent owned. I can guarantee you that as well. Uh, uh, I don't know. We have Dinwiddie scoring five more fantasy points than Lavert. You know these were these are like algorithm based projections. No one's gone in and tweaked everything. Uh, I would flip them around. I would take Lavert straight up in fantasy points over Dinwiddie, no question. Uh, I think Lavert, 8,300 is getting up there, right? He got the big price bump because he had 62. And the 62 on DraftKings, when they run their algorithm, is going to give you a big price bump. Um, so I don't know if he's worth 83, but I think he's like an $8,000 player. And I would I would gladly pay 83 if he's going to be like 2 to 5% owned. Going up against Atlanta, uh, um, run it back with Trey Young, Run it back with Collins or take your pick on one of the fringe plays and have yourself a, a good good, good lineup there. Uh, all right, people want to talk about the Pelicans going up against Cleveland. Big home favorites tonight. Let's take a look at these. So we've got Ingram at 7,500. I'll sort by projected own for you guys. So favors is interesting, right, because he's just sort of plodding along and not getting there. But, right, his price is down to 48. And on a night currently when we have no value – uh, I think Favors is, is reasonable. I like that projected ownership on him. I think that's pretty fair. 
Uh, Ingram and Zion, right? You know what you're getting here. Ingram should just come out, play big minutes. Uh, if it's a close game, right, here's what you can do in court IQ. We've got them for 34 minutes. And I know no one's gone over these minutes with a fine-tooth comb yet, right? It's very early in the morning. Well, let's go to court IQ. Let's see what the Pelicans have been doing in their past couple of games, right? Let's find NOP. So this was against the Lakers. Uh, he closes, he plays 36 minutes, right? And we have him at 34 minutes. The game before that, um, you know, they basically blow out Golden State. Doesn't He doesn't need to push it too much, plays 34 minutes. Uh, or you can see right here, the bench was absolutely crushing Golden State. Um, so he probably didn't make it in because the, the coach didn't want to mess with Golden State too much. So I think he's probably short a minute or two there, right? Which, which again, would put him up to like 36 minutes. So if I expect this game to be close, we've got 34. If it's 34 at lock, I'm going to go 35 and a half, right? To get a little bit more of a boost, get more of them in my lineups if I like them. So a guy like Ingram, I think, is a, is a very strong play tonight. And how, how do you not want to play Zion, right? 32, 33 minutes. Basically – impossible for him to bust in my opinion tonight he's 8k i have no problem getting to him and he he has right he has the ability to play 33 minutes i think um has the ability to severely outperform his median projection so he's another guy i would have no problem playing in if you end up with both of them on the same team uh, i would certainly try to run it back with someone on cleveland i think there's a little bit of value in guys like nance and thompson and Kevin Love with Andre Drummond not playing tonight. All these guys are going to play 30-plus minutes. And, uh, you know, if you're stacking a couple of these Pelican guys, uh, I would try to run it back with Love, with Thompson, or with Nance. Uh, I think one of those guys is very likely to have a good game tonight against the Pelicans. Tough to pick which one. Um, and I would probably set a rule, something like, if, if two Pelicans, then at least one Cleveland player, um, if you happen to get a lineup or something like that, is, is sort of something I would do tonight. All right, let's scroll back up here. Uh, Rubio. So people talking about Rubio. Dude's been balling out, and I got no problems with Rubio. I think he's a, a pretty fine play tonight. He's 7,100. Basically no ownership as it stands earlier in the day. Why would you not want to play Rubio, right? He was, he was clearly hurt for this stretch in January and December when he was basically sucking every single game. Dude's healthy. Their team's balling out. Without Ubre, there's just a little bit more. Um, the usage is climbing up 31, 26. Has the ability to get a lot of steals. Can get you a double double. Um, can get you a triple double. Contributing across the board right now. Uh, I would have no problem, right? If Rubio carries 1% ownership, he does not have a, like a 1% chance of being on a, a top 10 lineup tonight. So he's someone, if the ownership holds, I would include him on like my low own player group, right? And he's someone, if I got to boost the projection, we've got 34, right? If you look at 34, you know, he's, he's crushed that each of his last four games. So I would have no problem giving him 37 or 38, right? Just to try to start getting some exposure to him. And uh, someone I, I would act, I would love to play if the ownership holds at 1% tonight. Um, let's see. Eaton, yeah, no bones about it. I do like Eaton quite a bit. Let's see if we can get a couple more. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. If Rubio, I, I wouldn't lock Rubio if he's 1% owned. Uh, I would imagine Rubio's ownership goes up a little bit. Uh, but if Rubio sticks at like 7 or 8% at the end of the night, I, I would have no problem playing him on 20%. Or if you're playing like a single entry, he's your differentiator, right? Because people get so chalky in the single entries. Uh, a guy like Rubio who can triple-double at any time, uh, at reasonable ownership is like a, a great person to add to your lineup uh, as, a, as a differentiator in small field, single entry, three entry type of things. Uh, you guys got any more questions? What do you guys want to talk about? we got a couple more minutes. Um, while those come in, don't forget sharp side, right? I got the hat on today. Get on there, click your lock bets. Uh, if you got on with me uh, on that uh, Horford one last night, all right, try to get another one tonight. You get up to five on sharp side, you start winning some money. Uh, we give you some FanDuel credits. Uh, and you got to be smart with sports betting. It's coming. Eventually, right, all the sites are going to want you to sports bet and not play DFS. As bad as that sounds, you're going to have to become a, a better sports better if, you know, if you want to continue in this sort of fun extracurricular activity of DFS and the sports world for the next five years. You're going to have to get better at sports betting. Do it on sharp side. 
we can give you some free money on that as well if you get a, get five in a row going on that one. Uh, let's see here. A couple more. Wood from Detroit. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate Wood. Uh, Ten-game slate, he's going to end up being pretty low-owned. And if you do end up, right, if you do end up playing Eaton and Rubio or – this would be another one where if, you know, a group of – book, if I have two of Booker, Eaton, Saric, or Rubio popping on a lineup – I would probably run it back with a, you know, Christian Wood because he's basically the only trustable fantasy asset I think on Detroit right now. So, uh, you know, if two Phoenix players, then Christian Wood, I think would be a a good rule to set tonight. Um, Let's see. How do you make a rule where if you play two players from one team, you bring it back with a player from another team? Well, let's, let's go talk about that, right? So let's go, let's talk this Phoenix one. If I'm playing two Phoenix players, I want Christian Wood, right? So you got got to think about this a little differently and you got to work with the constraints. So my conditional player would be, let's see, let me try to think about this. So I would put lineups that do not contain, uh, I would probably put Wood. I think if I'm playing Wood, I'm, I'm playing, right? I'm playing for this one. So I think you could use Wood on his own, but this one looks much better to me, right? So I would play Booker. I would play uh, Eaton or Rubio. So right here, and I would do two. I don't think I need three, but I think two of these guys is pretty good. Um, I would use one to two, but I, I like two almost. Where now if, if Wood gets pinged in lineup HQ – it's going to jam in two of these Phoenix guys over here, right? So you can, you can use, you, you got to think what you're doing in lineup HQ sometimes, right? You can make uh, conditional players that are or are not in a lineup. And then you can make a little group of players like that. So I think I would probably set at one to two where if Wood's playing, I probably want at least one Phoenix player, but I'm okay getting two. I think that would be a group I would do tonight. Um, favorite game to stack tonight. Very tough for me to try to do that right now with, you know, injury reports, not all set, uh, and things like that. I do like this Orlando game looks pretty juicy. You don't really get Orlando with these huge totals anymore. Um, let me see what the, let me see what the ownership on Orlando is right now. So not much ownership, you know, no one's going to pay up for Gordon tonight. He's 8,200, but he's just, he's just dropping 50, 45 every single night. I'm cool with that. Vuk at 92. I feel like that's a discount, right? He was just 95 as a bad game against that. Well, not a bad game. He, you know, this is basically the worst game you can expect out of Vuk tonight would be 40. And he has the the ability to drop 50 plus tonight against Minnesota. Uh, I think that's pretty good. And Minnesota is pretty easy to run back. You can play Russell, you can play Wancho. You can play Malik. You know where your targets are in Minnesota. So that's probably one of my, my favorite games early in the day. And another one that I don't think is drawn too much ownership is this Milwaukee-OKC game. Um, you know, anytime you can play Giannis in a game you expect could be a close game, that's when you want to play him. OKC is halfway decent. If you get 60-plus out of Giannis tonight, it's likely uh, – I still don't think I'd play – uh, Gallinari in this particular lineup, but Schroeder, Chris Paul, or SGA, right? Like if Giannis, then, you know, this is another rule I would probably make tonight, right? So we can think about this one. I would make Giannis my conditional player. Um, so if Giannis is in the lineup, I'm playing one of Gilgis Alexander. Uh, I'm playing Chris Paul. Uh, I'm playing Steven Adams. Uh, I'm playing Schroeder, right? So that if I'm going to play at least one, allowing up to two. So basically what you're thinking here is if Giannis gets his full run, someone on OKC is probably having a good game, right? So I'm going to play one of their guys with Giannis. And I pretty much do this every time I play Giannis is if I'm playing him and he hits a lineup, I'm making sure I have at least one of the good players from the other team uh, because you, you really need that. Milwaukee is just so good. They can crush everybody. Uh, so something like this is a, is a rule I would set up for that game. Uh, let's see here. 
and go back to the player pool. I'll pick one more game out real quick. Uh, I do like that Pelicans-Cleveland game. That one's pretty nice. That's probably about it. The Phoenix side of that Detroit game looks good. Utah's got a big total. Uh, Conley is drawing a lot of ownership. I know someone in chat was messing, you know, don't play Conley, but it's it's hard to argue. He's playing 33, 34 minutes. He's had some good performances. I know there's some turmoil on that Utah side right now on their lineups and Rudy Gobert can't really figure out what the problem is, but I mean, they're at home against Washington. Uh, if, Con- if, you know, this might be too high of ownership on Conley, but the price is right. Um, I might look at a couple of the other guys like Mitchell, right? No one's on Mitchell. He's 8K. Oh man, you can't play Donovan Mitchell. He's 8K. Well, if he gets you 50 at 8K, guess what? He's going to end up on some winning tournament teams tonight. So I would look for Mitchell. And if you probably, here's another one where if you have, you know, two jazz players in your lineup, you know, maybe you want to, you know, you want to play Beal or something like that. Cause Beal uh, can go out there. He's playing huge minutes in these close games right now. And if this game stays close, he's probably having one of these 50 fantasy point nights. Uh, so don't forget about him. Um, you know, at 1% ownership. Yeah. When, when you can get a guy, when you get these superstars at 1%, that's when you play the superstar players, you know, you can go overweight on those. Uh, you guys got any more questions? I think we had enough fun. We went over last night. Uh, I gave you some quick thoughts on tonight. Again, don't read too much into what I said tonight. There's a long way to go to lineup lock. Um, my favorite thing is is always spend some time in results DB. Look at some of the good players. See what they did. Look at the ownership. What did you get right? What did you get wrong? What was your thinking on it? Was your thinking right? Was your thinking wrong? Um, and, and do a little bit of research every single night. You'll become a, a much better player. Um, pretty quickly, in my opinion. Uh, don't forget, head over to SharpSide, get your streak going if you don't have one. And if you are going, make sure uh, you tune into the later shows. They will have a lock bet for you. Uh, over on FanDuel, we've got the FanDuel single entry series. Uh, so you're on a level playing field with all of your opponents. That's always a good thing. Those are some of my favorite tournaments to play. And uh, it looks like if you're looking, you know, I'm looking for some for some tax help, right? I do all my stuff on my own. But if you've got any tax questions, there is a forum post uh, from DFS Accounting. You can head over there. Uh, I believe they offer their own tax services as well if you're a a DFS player. But if you have any basic questions and you're looking to get a little insight on your taxes from your 1099s or your losses or anything DFS, head over to the Roto-Grinders forum. Uh, There's a post there and and maybe they can help you out on it. Final question, Wallstress, what's the best strategy for single entry? Uh, I'm going to do this. So I was coaching one-on-one with a student last night, and I gave him sort of like a quick and dirty. I guess we can go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go in results DB. I'm going to go back to the Wednesday slate because that was a big slate. Let's find a single entry, not the Thunderdome, right? Are are we all balling out with a $5,300 entry? You can look at it, but personally, I don't care what happens in the Thunderdome. That's not the game I'm playing, right? The $12 single entry. Let's see what won that, right? So here is, I don't know, I I probably wouldn't play John Concher to ship 5,000 in the single entry, right? But hey, it won. But here it is. It's the chalk. It's a couple of chalky plays getting a little different. This is probably a little too different for me in a single entry, right? But something like this lineup right here, this looks, it got second. This looks like a good single entry team. The Rosen when he was chalk. Saric, right, um, with Ubre out, played a lot of minutes, gets a little different with Shake. gets, you know, played Lavert, played Aaron Gordon, Mitchell Robinson, right, so uh, a couple of chalky players with a little bit of ownership mixed up in there. I think that's a pretty good team. You go to the third place team, and here, here's what I think most people do. Luca, huge ownership. DeMar, Jackson was popular. Um, Shabazz got the start. Bismack was starting. Gordon's been crushing, right? And then just one or two, right? Lavert low ownership, Robinson low ownership, Aaron Gordon ownership, right? Just get a little bit different. If you're playing lineup HQ and you want a, a quick and dirty sort of single entry lineup, like for tonight, I'm going to show you a quick little example. So one of the things, um, I'm just going to look at the optimal lineups, right? So I'm going to build 10 lineups Let's see what they are. And the optimal ownership lineup currently is 220, right? And a couple of lineups, they're all over 200. So if you want a quick and dirty, you take maybe 15% off the ownership 
right? So you could see here we're at 220. So 10% would be 20. Uh, I'm going to take 30% off that. So I'm going to set a max ownership of 190. And these are just a little bit off sort of the, the lock plays of the night while also still giving you some highly projected teams, right? So you can take a look through these. Let's look at now. I think our Prince projection is probably high. I hate that dude. I, I would X him out, right? But Conley, Booker, right? You're getting some guys that have high projected ownership. But look, you know, it jammed in Ricky Rubio into this lineup because guess what? He's got a good projection while also coming in at low ownership, right? So you can just take a little haircut off the highly projected Chalk teams get a little bit different um, in lineup HQ. Take a look through maybe the top 10 teams, find one you like, and throw that into single entry. I think that's a little bit more my style. Just get a little bit different off the chalk. Um, you don't have to go completely off the board on every play, but um, you know maybe just just shoot a little bit under 10 to 20% under what the, the chalkiest lineups will be for the night, and I think you got yourself a good single entry team. Uh, that's going to do it for tonight, guys, or tonight, this afternoon. Uh, have fun out there, guys. It's a big slate. Watch all the stuff later in the day. Grinders Live, Crunch Time. Click the like button. And then if you're not a Roto Grinders Premium member and you're looking, hey, who's going to be owned tonight, right? Projected ownership. That's free for everybody today. Uh, you can find that on the projected ownership page. And uh, you'll be able to sort of use that uh, to hand build some teams if you're not a Roto Grinders Premium member tonight. Thanks to all you for watching. I'm Britt. And we out, y'all.